If you go to nbarankings.theringer.com, you can find our top 100 players in the NBA ranked, which we do pretty much every month with little synopsis, everything else. I did my trade value thing last month, 9,000 words. If you missed it, the top 70 assets. Plus, we even have the league pass rankings, our favorite players on league pass. It's all there, nbarankings.theringer.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield. When you open a savings account with Apple Card, visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, subject to credit approval, savings available to Apple Card owners, subject to eligibility, savings accounts, provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC, terms apply. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I have a new rewatchables coming on Monday. Sean Fantasy and I did Whiplash. Stay tuned for that. One of the better movies from a rewatchable standpoint of the last 10 years. We're going to explain why we dove into it hard. Uh, thanks to everybody in Salt Lake City for turning out for two live shows. One with Ryan Rosilla, who's about to come on this podcast. And then we had the Ringer NBA crew. I think we had six people on stage at one point. Both shows sold out. Talking Hoops. Everybody loved it. Great to meet the listeners and the readers and the fans. And uh, we plan on doing a lot more of these. We're going to do one in Memphis next month. Actually, the mismatch is doing two, one in LA and then one in Memphis. And House and I might go to the Memphis one. That's going to be in late March, but we like doing this stuff. It is so nice post-pandemic to get out there in the real world again. We're going to be talking basketball in a second. Sunday Nights with Rosillo is back. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this. It is 1 o'clock LA time. We don't care about the All-Star game. It's fun to watch, but ultimately it's not. We're not going to wait until after the All-Star game to tape a podcast. Ryan Rosillo is here, fresh from the streets of Salt Lake City. Did a live show yesterday. We were going to break through um, all 30 teams. Have a little gimmick for you. How was Salt Lake City, though? Tell us. It was great. Uh, you know, look, I've been to Utah a bunch of times. The show was terrific. So thanks to the wise guys for having us. And yeah, I mean, other than that, it was, uh, it was good. I got to stay in Park City a little bit too. So it's good to be back. What was the best question the crowd asked? Uh, hmm. Was there like a Kyle Hive? What happens? Does Kyle have like a, a crew Big now? Big time. The governor yeah. of Utah showed up to see Kyle. We thought it was a joke. We thought we were being scammed. <laughs> and somebody from the governor's office reached out to Kyle. And so they were in there and then we actually met him. Jesus. Like, the governor is actually here. He was thrilled. I think he got his picture taken with Kyle. 
Kyle's affecting state laws. So we have a bunch of stuff for, for Why the people Why is last today. call so early here? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. What is it, midnight in Utah? No, it's like one. And then I think it's like even a little bit later, some of the places that are further. I, the whole idea that you show up there and it's weird. I mean, it's something we talked about in the show yesterday. You just, yeah. people that haven't been are like, whoa, what, what, what's it, what happens? I'm like, what do you think happens? It's, it's like Salt Lake's a lot like Denver. Right. Well, the thing I don't understand is when you have these sports weekends, they should be waiving at least like for one weekend, some of the rules, right? I've always said this, like Dallas has this issue. There's some cities where they just apply the normal rules for a normal weekend. But meanwhile, they've spent all this money to bring all these people in. It seems like they should make it fun for one weekend. But that's why I always know. think it's funny that Boston never gets any of these things because they'd be like, wait, what time does the train stop? And they'd be like, wait, where's, where's this? Like Salt Lake's yeah. really easy. Indy is really easy to get around. Right. Some of the Denver Dallas, too. Denver's pretty easy. Dallas, Fort Worth can be, you know, New Most Orleans probably. for the most part is all right there. Uh, Miami can be a little, Houston's a total sprawl, but, uh, well, I always kind of joke, like whenever you're like, how come Boston hasn't had any of this stuff? One, they're like, dude, we don't even need it. You know, there's probably that, but if you got there, the infrastructure for it, it's funny because I was talking to somebody about Boston getting the All-Star game and they were like, yeah, but it's, I was like, you know what, whatever. I mean, the streets were set up in the late 1600s. Give it a break. Well, it'd be worth doing it once just to see yeah. if it's as much of a disaster as we think it would be. I actually think it'd be pretty good. The weather would be the great variable. I think but it would it's not be like great. I didn't have a variable with weather. No, and there's plenty of other, exactly. There's other places I've gone. I mean, that Dallas Fort Worth Super Bowl, the Green Bay Pittsburgh one, that was the worst. So you were there. I mean, that, that was my was, favorite Super Bowl ever. Nobody could get in. It was, it was if you made it in early, it was the greatest time ever. There are no we people. Were, we were at the EA Sports Party. You would have thought it was a private party for like 20 people. It's great. At Bismarck's up there DJing. There's no one can make it and then no one could leave. And then people were getting let like there was one group that the, the taxi driver just couldn't handle driving anymore. And he threatened to just say, you know what? Like you guys are getting out of the car. And, and then the guys were yelling. It was bad. I mean, it was really bad. But yeah, back to the Boston part. I think my favorite one is when they the Olympics. <laughs> We're coming around and nobody, oh God. nobody, people were like, why do you want this here? Like, what are you talking about? And that didn't last very long. Yeah, that flamed out. So we're going backwards from 30 to one. I made a list and you're going to feel free to argue with some of the rankings, but I did my power poll that I've tried to do every month, but we're going to attack the power poll in sections going from 30 to one with two questions. Which team would you want to be going forward and which team would you not want to be? So I'm going to read the sections with the records. And then we'll talk about which team do we want to be, which team do we not want to be. So the first section, the worst section, the trauma for Yama section, this is uh, number 30, San Antonio. They're 13 and 45. They haven't won in a solid month. Number 29, Houston's 14 and 45. Number 28, Detroit is 15 and 44. And then Charlotte is 17 and 43. Kudos to us. We called this in the uh, over-under podcast before the year. We were like, wait, why is Charlotte's over-under 35 wins or whatever it is? They're going to be terrible. They are terrible. So those are the four worst teams in the league. Which team would you want to be going forward out of those four? San Antonio, Houston, Detroit, or Charlotte? You could pick one. I'm going to go Houston. I'm not going to say I like watching them play this year and we could get into the particulars of it, but they have four guys that I like. The other thing I like about Houston's roster is I really like a lot of the role players. The only problem is they don't know the role players yet. And I don't, I wouldn't tell young people to go, hey, decide your role player very early on. But they, you know, you can't, I remember talking to teams about this, but like whenever you're tanking or whenever you're rebuilding, I shouldn't say tanking in this case, but when you're rebuilding, it's very 
challenging when you have a roster of 14 dudes that all are worried about their second contract and all think that they're going to be Hall of Famers. Yeah. And that, I think, is part of their problem. I mean, we could get deeper into it. I don't think we need to. But if you're telling me between Jalen Green and Shingun and Tari Eason and Porter, you know, he hasn't been playing much lately, but I like a lot of the pieces. There's more talent on, on I think, that group there other than, you know, the Detroit, the Cade injury. If you told me it was Detroit, I wouldn't get mad about it. But I think it's really between those two options and who you'd want to be. I didn't love any of the four options, to be honest. I would I wanted to say Detroit, but I just don't have enough information on that Cade injury, and it makes me nervous that they shut him shut him down so fast. Um, if he was healthy, I would say Detroit. Houston, Agreed. I agree with you. Um, there's there's pieces. I don't know where the pieces lead to. At least they hit with Eason. They have something to point to from the Harden trade. Finally, they're not going to get the swap this year, but Eason is the first piece that we could say. Well, at least they got that for James Harden. Um, they have some flexibility too. There's some rumors Harden might come back. I was thinking a bit of it. I was surprised that I didn't love any of the futures. And it's funny that neither of us mentioned Charlotte because they probably have the best player out of the four teams in LaMelo. But that Charlotte team, that was my answer for, for no. And we'll get into them in a second. The Houston thing, though, it feels like that would be the most fun Wimbanyama team out of the four, right? If you're going to be San Antonio, Houston, Detroit, Charlotte, I would like to see Wembenyama on that team. I'm not sure he would want to be on that team. What would you think would be his choice if you just gave him those four? Yeah, I know. This is where it's going to get really interesting this summer, man. What if he does the Eli Manning? Right, little Steve Francis. Or just like, eh, Houston, no. Yeah, I need a different team. I would think Houston would make more sense from, from a market standpoint. You could yeah. argue, well, wait, San Antonio has all this great infrastructure and that they're terrific at doing this. I don't know. I feel like that time's kind of passed. I mean, maybe it's still true. I certainly would trust them more than Charlotte. I actually like a lot of the things that Detroit's done. Detroit would be my pick if Cade Cunningham were playing right now. If Cade Cunningham were playing right now, I'd tell you I'd rather have him over Mello. I still think I would rather have him over Mello injured. Um, Charlotte's the team I'd least want to be out of this group. Yeah, and me too. When, when you factor in ownership with it, it's a no-brainer. And I don't really know what they're doing. You know, I don't – you don't want to pay Jalen McDaniels? Okay, fine. But, I mean, this is what happens when you win the Gordon Hayward sweepstakes and he plays half of his time there. <laughs> I had them as – this was the team I would not want to be. So I wrote down some stuff. First of all, three playoff appearances since 2002. Three. This is before LeBron came in the league. They have three playoff appearances. Two sweeps out of the three. The other one was a seven-game loss in 2017 to Miami. This year, they're 29th offensively, 25th defensively. They're shooting under 33% from three. If you're looking at assets... It gets grim pretty fast, right? LaMelo is obviously an asset. I had him top 40 trade value. I like Mark Williams. I, I liked him in college, and they're finally playing him now. He's become a double-double guy. Rogier is definitely a playoff guy for somebody, but probably a third guard. And then uh, P.J. Washington, who is going to be a free agent. Other than that, they not a lot of assets on this team. Am I missing anybody? Anyone else you like? No, not really. I mean, book night, it's been nothing. Uh, and then there's yeah, a couple It almost seems other like a write-off. Or there's a couple other picks that just aren't even a part of the equation, which I imagine we're going to see more and more here as as they tank. Um, but I, you know, this is just talking out loud because I don't know anything about Wimbayama other than I've heard his agents are like rounding down on his height. Like he's getting, he's so tall. He's like the first player I've ever heard of where it was like they actually, <laughs> they won't, they won't give him the other, other you know, the extra inch going the other way. 
Yeah, because you've heard he's seven five, right? Because that's yeah. that's kind of the word on the street. Kareem did this too. Kareem was like a legit seven four, but just wouldn't really own it. But he was. Everyone said he was. And Bill Walton was the other one. Bill Walton was seven two, but always said he was six eleven. He never wanted to be a seven footer. I think so. McHale was another one too. McHale was probably seven feet. Yeah, Wembenyama. Yeah, People who have stood next to him, there's a picture online of him and Rudy Gobert where he looks like he's like four inches taller than Rudy Gobert. And this was like a year ago. So um, so one, a couple of weird things about Charlotte. They have three 20-point scorers this year, which I think is hilarious. This proves our theory that anyone could score 20. There's 100 guys in the league that could score 20 points a game. Um, but if you look at just recent history, that 2018 draft, they were drafting 11. And SGA was on the board, didn't take them. Now, a few people kind of whiffed on SGA, but that's one where, you know, they, they ended up, I, I think they they flipped whatever that pick was for Miles Bridges, which seemed like it was a decent idea for a few years, but now he's gone. And then last year they traded that uh, Durham pick at 13 and got basically nothing for it. They got a future pick, but you go backwards. This is since 2004. They've drafted two, five, three, eight, nine, 12, Nine, two, four, nine, nine, 22, 11, 11, 12, three, 11, and then 13, 15 last year. To only make the playoffs three times is like impossible. Especially the way the East East was lined up too. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Bridges just from a basketball standpoint. Like he was becoming a dude. Yeah, he was. And then to just have what happened where from just the front office part, you're like, okay, now we have, we have nothing, nothing to replace this, this piece that we thought was going to be part of moving forward. You know, and I don't know what that'll mean for LaMelo or whatever, but I. Well, I theorized in the trade value column that he, could he be the first one that tests this max thing? Cause we just assume every guy's going to sign the max and then get out after. But in his case, maybe you play it out because the cap's going up. And he could be worth so much more money off the court if he's in a different market and he's not on a team that's 25 and 57 every year. So somebody's going to do it at some point. In the next Someone will years. do it. Someone will do it. You're right. Uh, but it's, it's such an advantage. Like I remember we were talking about it with a couple other guys previous years and nobody does it. Nobody does. But I, I agree with you. I think at some point someone will. I don't know when. Charlotte is the team I would not want to be. All right. Next, po- next poll. 26 to 23. We got Orlando at 24 and 35, Chicago at 26 and 33, Indiana at 26 and 34, and Utah at 29 and 31. I called this group the stealth tankers because any of them could tank if they really wanted to, but all of them are kind of hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And we're going to get in this situation when there's like 12, 15 games left. The odds to get that fifth spot in the lottery are pretty good. You get like 10% odds at the top pick. And then I can't remember what it is for the second pick, but it's, you know, if you if you if you're in the five spot, the combo of that is pretty good. It's like probably a one in six chance. Uh, but if you go through, my answer to yes for this is probably the same as yours for which team would you want to be going forward. It's it's got to be Orlando, with the the Franz Wagner Palo combo with the way Markel has been playing lately with some of their big guys. There's been a little Jonathan Isaac. Hmm, forgot how much I like this guy defensively, and they have their own pick plus Chicago's top four protected. So they are in the best spot, immediate future. But you could also make the case Utah with all their picks and some of their young guys, you might want to rather be them. Or you could say Indiana with Halliburton. And, uh, you know, they're really fun to watch and a good coach. So who do you have for that one? 
It's Orlando, and I don't really think I had to think about it all that much because despite yeah, the either. future the future pick equity that Utah has piled up here, I'm just big on knowing what I have. And if what I have is two really young, like multi-option wings in Paolo and Franz, where Franz's drives are incredible, I think Paolo would become a better shooter. Most of these guys do. They're this good. His passing, like you have the two things that everybody already wants. Fultz is way better than people give him credit for. Wendell's a terrific player. Suggs, I think at his worst, is a terror defensively. Like he ends up playing bigger wings. You know, some of those Celtics games where he'd be going after Tatum, and like Tatum wasn't ready for it. It was kind of funny to see that. Suggs is definitely a buy and stock guy. Offensively, he's been kind of a disaster, but there's something I agree with. A disaster's too much. Playoff thing there. Well, offensively, he's been really bad. um, It's not what you want for somebody you're picking that high, but I I don't think, I think disaster's kind of harsh for him. So you, you add that to, Lottery this year, they're getting the Chicago pick if it's outside of the top four. And I know we could just play the pick game. And marketing's been terrific. And Kessler looks like a, a real keeper. But I think it becomes a Paolo and Franz and whoever you want to put third on the Magic roster as it stands now against and those two picks against what Lowry, Kessler, and then who's the third no person? So I don't. Yeah, even with the picks, I think it's Orlando. We had Sarudi. I don't know if you've heard of Steve Sarudi, but he was he popped on the podcast on a, on Thursday to talk a little magic future with us and about he's very you know you've heard him talk about this. He's very concerned with the timetable. He's a big timetable guy. This isn't our time. Like he didn't want Donovan Mitchell. Didn't want to trade for him. Is that doesn't fit our timetable? Does Fred Van Vliet fit our timetable? Not sure. Um, this is a team that could make a move if they wanted to get frisky immediately, right? With those two firsts. You know, there's multiple guys that I just don't have a feel for. Even like, please don't aggregate this, people. But the Jalen Brown thing, I have no idea what's going to happen with this if the CBA doesn't allow them to pay him a max. I don't think he's going to stay for a 25% discount for what he would make as the best guy in another team. But I just think we see this league, there's always four or five guys available per year. We talk about this, this constantly. And they're in position. If you're just looking at who's in position to make a big deal, they are in position, the Knicks are in position, a couple of, you know, Utah, New Orleans, anybody that has picks, but Orlando with these two picks right away where you can decide your destiny immediately. Like what if Chicago is the seventh pick and Orlando is like the fifth pick, you know, into this draft and teams could just be like, this is great, starting over. So I don't know where that goes. What do you, what do you feel about the whole timetable thing? How long would you wait? Because you're about as high on Palo as anybody. I want it on the record. I'm not a timetable guy. I'm yeah. not either. I think it's one of the most overstated, dumb things in team building that goes. Like, if you have a chance to add something you think is really good, and not specific to Orlando's cap space, but just if you have that cap space in general, you better use it before it's gone. Like, you can get cute with it and say, well, this guy's not perfect, and he's a couple years older or whatever. So what are you going to do? Keep paying your own guys, not use the cap space, and then not have it, and then never bring in anybody? Like, there are sometimes these windows where you really like your roster, depending on the scheduled payments of the players, that all of a sudden you have some cap space. So I'm not telling you to bring in anybody. And I know that you're a little worried of taking the ball out of Franz's hands and taking it out of Paolo's hands. Paolo should be used to it after Duke. But uh, I'm okay with having a guy, I know this is like who's six or seven years older than the other dudes. Who, yeah. and, and what are you going to do? Wait around for perfect? You know, that's the other thing teams do with cap space or not wanting to trade all their assets and everything. And, you know, look at, look at the Knicks here. This has been an awesome story. Brunson's been incredible. But when I watch R.J. Barrett now and the way they use him, even though those tr- the traditional counting numbers are still pretty good for him, I'm like, imagine if you had Mitchell 
imagine if you had had Mitchell, but you were kind of like waiting. You know, the way it was explained to me is the Knicks were kind of like, well, yeah, but if we if we do that, then we can't get the next guy. And it's like, one, you already got one at Brunson, but I don't like waiting for something. It's hard enough to add somebody who's really good in this league to go, ah, he's not perfect and he's a little bit older. That's when I think you start getting a little too cute about it and make mistakes. I think there's something to be learned from the Tatum Brown thing, even though there was a lot of flukiness with that, with just how they got those picks and then the fact that they had all this cap space and they had a really good coach and we were able to add Horford and Hayward and Kyrie in a pretty fast time. But I look at the reps that those guys got really early in their career, right? Tatum was a rookie going to game seven in the Eastern Finals against LeBron. Brown, every year in his career, he's been in the playoffs and big games, except for the one year he got hurt. And now you look at them where just the, the day-to-day, how they approach basketball, the professionalism they have, they have all of these playoff games under their belt and they're like ready to win the title. And part of that happened because they sped up the timetable, whether it was inadvertent or not, they, they were just thrown in some big games. I want to see that. I'm as high as you are on Franz and, and Paolo. Like you had a tweet, it was a very Unmarcillo-like tweet. You don't normally do tweets like this where you said the, the what'd you say? The Palo ceiling was Tatum potentially. And I actually agree with you. Cause I, I, to me, he's like, he reminds me almost of like, like I compared him to a tight end in the trade value piece. Like he's like how Gronk could block and, and go deep and go over the middle. And it's like, what is this? And I feel like Palo is like that. I watch a ton of magic games because I just like watching their guys. And they're on early. It always kind of works out where I'm like, all right, what's on? What do I want to pick from here? And I go, you know what? I'll throw the magic back on. Because I just four like o'clock West Coast game. Yeah, they really are. And after Cade got hurt, when I swear I've watched more Detroit than anyone would ever think, because they're just always like the first thing on. I go, all right, I guess I got a, a half hour, 40 minutes of uninterrupted Pistons hoops here on the West Coast. But <laughs> I feel like I have a good read on them. And I, this is, this is somebody who like, and I've got the receipts for it. Like when I watched Tatum at Duke, I couldn't believe that he wasn't more of a conversation, but I think it was all the Fultz international stuff that he had done where he just was unbelievable. And Fultz had a dunk the other night, by the way, they lost the game. He had a dunk the other night against, I think it was the Toronto game where it was so filthy. You were like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. why this dude was, was at that level radar wise. So, you know. To say Paolo could beat Tatum, you're basically saying Paolo could be a top six player in the league, which is still more unlikely than likely. What I like about Paolo is that it's his driving and and like Tatum's drives now are the best they've ever been. They weren't always this way. So, you know, and then, you know, Drew Hanlon checked in, Tatum's trainer, who I you could guess was probably a little more pro Tatum uh, after that tweet. But I'm like, look, from a ceiling standpoint, I'm not saying he's the shooter Tatum is now. I'm not even saying he's the ball handler he is now. But I think the ball handler that Tatum was when he first came in, the Tatum drive package, and then seeing where Palo is now as a rookie, like it's kind of this big driving, shot creating. And if he develops that shooting part, and I think his passing is already beyond what Tatum's was when they first came in the league, certainly. Uh, I don't think it's that crazy when I watch them play, knowing that it's still not all that likely that Paolo, you know, the better bet would be that he's not a top six player. But the fact he even has this kind of chance, I think, is the thing that's so much. It's just why I'm just so excited watching the guy play. First step is great. The post-up stuff that he's kind of flashes from time to time is really unusual for how old he is. And it just seems like I'm with you. Like we're looking at the worst version of him, which was you know, I remember going way back when they were talking about trading Jalen for Kawhi that one year where it was like, you could trade Jalen for your Kawhi. And 
my case, I was against it. And I was like, if you look at Jalen versus Paul George, just where Jalen is now, where Paul George was in 2012, 2013, it's realistic. You know, it's exceedingly realistic. He can be as good as Paul George. Like he could be like a 24 point a game. He's already at the point Paul George was at. And he has a lot of the same, you know, build and all the, all the things he brings to the table. And I feel the same way about Paolo. I, he, he's not, you know, you wouldn't compare him. It's not like, it's like, whoa, he looks like Tatum, but he brings all this scoring stuff to the table. That's just unusual. Like he brings four or five different things that you just know he's going to be in the high twenties at some point in his career. If he doesn't get hurt. Right. Wait, like if I said to you, lowest points per game, Paolo is going to average per season. If he doesn't get hurt, it, the overrunner would have to be like 28 a game. I'm going to tell you a story. And I, I agree with you, by the way, I agree with you. Cause I just, but it, you know, maybe the scoring gets impacted just because there's other people that end up taking shots. Like how yeah, many maybe. shots you want to be taken away from Franz. So, you know, to get, to get 29 a game when there's another dude that's going to be getting 20 plus every night. And that's who Franz is. Like, it's just still funny to me. See Franz have these drives where it's like, are you not, are your guys not watching what this dude does? And of course we know right. there's a lot of advanced scouting, but I still think there's moments where the other team still isn't ready for it sometimes. And yeah. There's go, like some white guy bias with him. Like they, they, Team well, seems surprised by him sometimes. I don't know if it's just him. <laughs> I mean, when some of these dudes at the end of the bench get called in late and it's like switch fest, like we're just hunting white dudes. Um, well, that's Sam Hauser has that with the Celtics. Right. And he they holds up Hauser a little bit and it's better. like he's got a bullseye. And Hauser, like, really, he'll fight sometimes. Like, he guarded Giannis last week on a play. <laughs> and Giannis was like, what happened? I thought I was going to go right by this guy. Well, then he did. Once he was yeah, like, okay, he did. Yeah, right, the next time he did. First time he did it, though. Uh, I, look, I'll tell this quick story. I was in Chicago for the Combine. It's before the draft, right? And I know Mike Miller and Dan Frank, who are part of the group that represent Paolo. And because I've known those guys a little bit, you know, I got invited to, you know, hey, come hang out. And they were like, all right, who do you think's won? And I'm around, like, basketball people, basketball people, as we're hanging out, having yeah. this conversation, right? You love Chicago. And I already know. I do. But I, I know what's going to happen. Like, I'm going to be... Like they're going to give me the Palo presentation without any computer. There's no PowerPoint. It's just they want to pick my brain and see what I think. And I was like, look, I think there's moments where I see Jabari and the smoothness and his size and the way he's so smart defensively. And I was like, I can see it a little bit. I'm like, Chet, it's the kind of thing you're scared to death of. I'm like, but, you know, I'm like, I would go Palo one. At that point, I, I you know, because it was a weird year going through those three guys. Yeah. Like I was changing my mind a little bit. And I'd go back and I'd think about it. I'd be like, man, do you really want to pass on Chet? And like, look, Jabari's already a three and D dude at this size. Are you kidding me? And you start digging into a little bit more and you're like, man, Palo does so many extra things. And Mike Miller just looks at me and goes, hey, man, look, he's our guy, but he's got some shit to him. He's got some shit to his game. And those other guys don't have it. And again, I doubt he cares. I'm telling the story because he's talking up his client. But the thing is, it wasn't a lie. It wasn't a lie. And it's not fair to say that Jabari doesn't because he's in a different situation. Chet isn't even playing. But like Paolo, whatever the numbers are, when you watch him, you see these moments where he's like, fuck you guys. And just drives and everybody dunks on him, hits big shots, you know, gets in there. And that's one of my favorite things about young players that are supposed to be great. Like, hey, we see all the talent, but like when somebody pushes you, how do you respond? Mm. And I think Paolo has that. And that's why when Mike was saying it to me, I was like, okay, am I getting the hard sell or not? And it wasn't the hard sell. It was the truth. It's like when Tatum dunked on LeBron that first year. It's only one play, but it was still kind of a moment. It's like, whoa, okay. I think that's Here's a great something. call. Yeah. 
let's uh let's take a break. We got plenty more teams to go through. Bill Simmons podcast is presented by FanDuel. The NBA season kicking into post All-Star break gear. There's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, easy to use. Exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. When you win, you get paid fast. They also have lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. They even worked with us to do a special Ringer NBA boost. It's a future boost. Listen to this one. You can bet on any two of the following teams to make the finals. Boston, Milwaukee, the Clippers, Phoenix, or Denver. Any two of those. They boosted it from minus 110 to plus 130. You can find that all week on FanDuel. Any two, Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, Phoenix, or the Clippers, jump into the action at any time. You can also jump in when the games come back with live betting. You can buy multiple bets from the same game in the same game parlay tryout, same game parlay plus as well. Download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. You must be 21 plus in select states. All right, just to put... Uh, a bow on the stealth tankers, Orlando, Chicago, Indiana, and Utah. So Chicago, 24th in offense. They're my answer for no, and I think they're your answer as well. I did. There's no team that has a worse future out of those four than those than Chicago. Their 23 pick is top four protected, so they might be able to keep it. I still don't know why they didn't blow it up. Right now, the Hawks are the eight seed, 29 and 30, and, and uh, Chicago's 27 and 33. So you could say, oh, maybe we'll sneak in. I just don't see it with this team. I don't think they're good enough offensively. What were they getting? What were they getting if they blew it up? I would just rather go backwards and try to get one of the top four picks and try to keep my pick. I just would value that more than, oh, cool, we made the play in. Mm, maybe we can beat the Wiz. Like, they're, they're going to do nothing. They're not good enough. I just don't think the assets that they have were all that valuable. So they're just going to kind of ride it out and see where they it are. Does, it doesn't seem like Levine was valuable. I think that was surprised. That was the surprise well, I for me. Contract. I think teams are afraid of him and the knee. Yeah. And I also think that he's, he's probably on that short list of next guy that's got some status in the league that goes, all right, enough of this. And you can see it too. When they're playing and when they're losing and he's taking turns, you know, everybody loved it last year when they got off to that great start and was like, look at these two dynamic scores. And then all of a sudden, right. Zach Levine's watching them lose going, how come I'm on the, how come I'm playing off the ball? Yeah. Like, and he's already hinted at it a few times. This isn't exactly like secret shit here. Um, other than Patrick Williams, who's pretty much untouchable and should be, I've liked his improvement. I just don't think asset wise, there's enough here. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Pacers and I think there's probably three guys on the team that we love. Hell, I even kind of like Miles Turner again. I do too. Just because of I the, like watching the Pacers. Yeah. I actually think if Halliburton hadn't gotten hurt, they'd probably be 500 right now and they'd be in the mix for like a seven seed. When he was out, if you run the numbers, it was the worst offense in the NBA. Yeah. Like other teams, like San Antonio can't score. And the Pacers had to stretch where they were even worse because yeah. he was gone. Next category is no man's land. This takes us from 22 to 18. New Orleans, 26 and 21. Portland's 28 and 30. Washington's 28 and 30. Toronto, 28 and 31. And Atlanta, 29 and 30. I just think from an asset standpoint, you'd still want to be New Orleans going forward. Um, the Zion stuff is incredibly alarming to me. Yeah. It just makes me, it just makes me really nervous. <laughs> we, thought, we thought we finally like, hey, what if we get like a year out of it? Wouldn't this be cool? Like that's it's all we were alarming. hoping for. Like it's a hamstring injury. It's going to be three months now. Did you Two watch the game? Months? I was watching it live against Philly when it happened. And I was like, uh-oh. And here we are. It's this, like, you knew he was hurt. It was January 2nd he got hurt. 
But then it's to to have it go this long, and then the latest update still like this kind of TBD deal. Yeah. And there's just so much bad buzz about the the training recovery stuff with him. And I don't know what to believe and not believe, but he he definitely has top five bad buzz for are you working hard enough to get back? Who knows? I, we can only judge by the results is that he keeps having these injuries that a lot of guys just don't have. And I don't know enough about it recently. I know in the past it wasn't the greatest scouting report. Right? Yeah. So, and then you factor in Ingram was actually playing really well again now, but that toe injury took forever. Yeah. Uh, I still love the roster and the picks. I mean, they've got that Lakers pick this year. What do you allow yourself to? How many dreams have you had where you woke up where the Lakers had the one pick, and you I wake mean, up the next day and it they're twenty-seven move? and thirty-two? I was looking. Fanduel had regular season wins odds that they put up this weekend. That for the most part, they're trying to bait you into bets, right? But the Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers were forty and a half over, so they'd have to go fourteen and nine to hit the over, right? And they're putting that there for a reason. They're trying to get equal money on both sides. So I'm not saying. You know, this is like, they're like, this is the right number to get action both ways. I don't see a world where they go 14 and nine with the team they have. When you throw in the, what am I getting from LeBron? Is he going to be able to play every day? What am I getting from Davis? And what am I getting defensively from, <laughs> from that backcourt? When you're putting Russell and Schroeder together, we're, I guess we're jumping ahead to the next group, but, um, but save I look it. at some, save it, save, we'll save cause, it. Cause I don't want to dismiss, cause I like this group here. No man's land. Yeah. Um, so we would still like New Orleans, Portland, Washington, Toronto, Atlanta. You'd still want to be New Orleans out of those five going forward. If Zion can come back in time, you know, that's a nightmare nine seed or 10 seed if Zion is just healthy in April, but I just, I've given up guessing that he's going to be healthy. See, he's I, played I, less than 125 games, I think in his career. I had a pro. I think you just have New Orleans too low. I don't even think they should be in this tier. Well, they, they've been getting their ass kicked though. I mean, they uh, were three and fourteen as, out of seventeen games at one point. They lost ten straight. They're four and two in their last six. So maybe, you yeah, know, maybe we're both right in that. Coming There's, back a little bit, right? The Ingram part of it, I think, has been been kind of cool. They've got the third easiest schedule remaining uh, of any of the teams in the NBA, which I think is really interesting. Like when we get to Dallas, they have the easiest schedule in the NBA. Uh, right. The, the way some of the Philly schedule stuff gets really tough. Um, but again, we'll save that for later. Sacramento too. It's just, it comes down to a roster thing where I'm still going to default to New Orleans. But like, if we were doing this next year, if we fast forward to one year from now, like, oh, Zion had a tweak, his calf, then I'm done. I think this is the last year with me for Zion where I can have any expectations, but I still do. I still love the roster. I would take this roster over Portland, over Washington, over Toronto, over Atlanta, over the Lakers. Uh, OKC, uh, that, again, we're factoring all the picks. That's a little different. Over Minnesota, over Brooklyn. I would still take it over a ton of ro rosters because I think it's so talented. But, I mean, it's been a brutal stretch, and it's been bad news again for the guy that makes it all go. It's frustrating because there's such a blueprint now for how to succeed in the NBA as a superstar. LeBron is in year 20 and the way he took care of his body, and that's all everybody talked about that last month. But even you read like some of this stuff, like Tatum, Tatum after the finals, like made these subtle tweaks, changed his diet, like just little things because he just wants to keep getting better and he wants to be more durable. And you've watched the durability from him this year. And at some point, the light bulb's going to quick for Zion, I think. But man, we're now, you know, we're, this is, this just, sh it should have quick by now, especially after he signs that big deal. Uh, Portland, I don't know what they're doing. And they're just kind of, they're like that guy in your fantasy league that's, 
just just making trades to make trades. It's like, what? Wait, what happened? You don't have Josh Harp. Now you have Tybo. Um, Washington is the favorite to sign Russell Westbrook, which I actually kind of like. The two teams that where Chris Haynes reported today for Westbrook were Chicago and Washington. And it's like, that makes sense to me. You don't want them if you're tanking and you don't want them if you're a good playoff team. You want them if you want to like make the playing game. And Washington clearly is motivated to make the playing game and be 42 and 40 or whatever. And Chicago didn't throw away their season. And, you know, and he could come in and supercharge either of those teams at least a little bit. But if he went to Washington, I think they would be, you know, I, I, at least you'd have to beat them. You know, they're not, from a talent standpoint, that's a weird team. Porzingis, Westbrook, who knows what you get for Bradley Beal, Kuzma. They have a bunch of wings. It's not like a, the easiest team to play. Like even House was like, I wouldn't care if they signed Westbrook. I'd be excited for it. Because what, what is this team doing anyway? Where's your Westbrook take? He has to go somewhere where he doesn't have to change. And I think Washington's right. the perfect spot. Right. I mean, this Clippers thing made zero sense to me whatsoever. Like you just awful. added all these wings. Ty Lue, it's cool that he's going to have options. And the early signals are that it's Eric Gordon. So I'm not going to do the full Clippers thing here. But when you bring him in, you got to play him and you got to let him be him. And that yeah. list is really, really short. And I don't think the Clippers should have been on that list. I'm all for it for him in Washington. I, I would be because he's already been there. So he kind of gets it. They kind of get him. It's where they are. They're like 10 and five in their last 15 too. Like there's just Washington has these stretches sometimes during the season. You're like, wait, are they good? Are they like a tough out? I still wouldn't be afraid of them necessarily in the playoffs, especially when you're talking about what's they'd be facing the top of the East if they make it through the play in. But it is, I don't know how long that list is. Is Billy Donovan absolutely sure that he would want to do it again? I mean, that would be a real full circle moment there after the years of Westbrook going, just not like basically just let him do whatever he wants. Like, would you be able to do like that again? It's like the, a conjuring sequel. He's like, I thought, thought, I thought we blessed the house. I thought I was out of this. I didn't see. I'm not a big horror movie guy. You are though. You love, you love I, the scary ones. I fucking ones. love them. Do you see the menu? Yeah, I, th I like the menu. That was pretty you, good. I thought you would. Best record since Christmas. Denver, 21 and seven. Celtics, 19 and seven. Philly, 19 and seven. Milwaukee, 19 and seven. Washington, 15 and nine. Fifth right. best record since Christmas. <laughs> I mean, Denny looks like he might be a bit of a player now, too. I, I don't think we mentioned him. Yeah, it's... I, I don't, you shaking I think, your head a bit on me? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't mind him because I think he's... Yeah, yeah. He's right. a little feisty, right? He's not like a rollover swingman. Like he, you know, he... There's some elbows he'll throw. Um, there's there's some stink eyes he'll give. I kind of enjoy him, but he, you know, he's an eighth guy. Um, yeah, the, if you look at the numbers since Christmas, like Portland's 11 and 14, New Orleans is 10 and 17, uh, Atlanta, who is on this list, 12 and 14, but it's a pretty big sample size at this point. I had Atlanta as my team I wouldn't want to be going forward. And it's not just because I hate watching them, but... Their payroll is 170 million for next season. They don't have their 25 or 27 first. They have a 26 pick swap in the Murray trade, which, you know, San Antonio, Atlanta, odds, odds of San Antonio would be good in 26. Who knows? Young goes 37 million, 40 million, 43 million, 46 million, and then a $49 million player option in 2027. And he was a really tough trade value guy because I just think you have to cross off a lot of teams with him. Right? How many teams would actually are unhappy enough with their point guard position or desperate enough for a star that they would want to pay what the premium price would be for Trey? So they're kind of 
I don't want to say they're stuck with him, but I, I just don't think he has the same kind of value as some of the other young stars. Like, would Brooklyn give up all the stuff they got to try to get Trey Young? Probably not. So, and I know you don't. I know you don't mean all, but like, yeah, you, you know what you I know, mean. Yeah, right. Three picks. Would they give up guys, like three right. of the first or something like that? Would Houston, you know, give future assets up? Would would the would the Bulls say fuck it, let's go? Would Toronto say hey, let's let's uh, let's talk about you know Siakam and Trey Young? I don't know. I don't know what his value is, but I think that team's kind of a mess. I haven't liked anything I've seen from them this year. I don't think Atlanta is the right choice for the team you'd least want to be out of this group because I still like the roster enough. And, you know, the Trey stuff, I don't need to repeat myself all over again here. The value for him, I think we should all be reminded of the Kyrie Irving lesson that we all got taught that there were still four or five teams that wanted him again yeah. after all the Brooklyn stuff. And Trey doesn't have anything close to like Kyrie's resume of discontent. I mean, it's pretty clear that I don't think people like Trey. So I don't know how that's going to be figured out. Did you see where he finished up in the player voting too? It was like, whoa. Yeah. So, um, and the money is not nothing. No, it's not it's nothing. A, it's but a the, pretty big haul. The money for Lillard and Simons moving forward, and then they got a grant decision on top of so that. So you have Portland as your team you no, would want to be going I'm for. Just, I'm just talking it all out here. Like Portland isn't something you look at today going, that's going to be a great time. Um, Washington should be at least nominated for the worst option out of this with Beal's contract, Przingis' injury history, and the fact that he's going to get paid again by them. And that's why they... And they want to bring back Kuzma. That was part of the Rui Hachimura, like Matthew. Yeah, Pierce, you're right. They, they were both like I guess trying to. I overrated that they have all their picks going forward. I look, but I, you're right. Like the Porzingis is, could get hurt tomorrow. Picks is certainly part of it, but you can't then put like Oklahoma City seventh in your power rankings. You know, right? <laughs> Although I, I fucking love watching Maybe them. Play. I, I mean, come on, right. you so, can talk me into it. Hey, look, Toronto's in a weird spot here. You know. Ananobi, who apparently everybody wanted, didn't meet the price while he was out <laughs> again. He doesn't play well, in a lot of games, man. Look at look at his numbers. You got to pay Van Vliet or let him walk or facilitate some Kyle Lowry deal where they ended up winning that trade big time by not paying Lowry and ended up with Precious. So there's some little pieces there. But Toronto, that roster's heading for like this weird purgatory thing here too. Well, and Van, the Van Vliet piece is an issue too. He just changed agents. He's going to be a free agent. Right. And I just don't think he's a $30 million a year guy. I don't. And I thought all... Brunson was 25, and that's maybe Van Vliet's low 20s. But after that, I just don't like it. And I think we all like Barnes. I would have liked to see a bit of a jump this yeah. year, and we haven't. So I wouldn't pick Atlanta out of this group of who I wouldn't want to be because I know I'm stubborn about this. I still seem to like the talent one through whatever, but they're going to have their own issues with Bogdanovich. I wonder if the Sadiq Bay was Bogdanovich insurance. Um, mm. And then if the trade thing, you know, continues and doesn't improve, not the numbers, but you know, you got a DeJounte decision there as well, but I would still take the, the talent on Atlanta and their questions over the talent. And a lot of the same questions for the other teams in this group. So your pick is Washington or Portland. I would not want to be Washington. Okay. Fair. I think you you made me waver on my Atlanta pick. We didn't even factor in the ownership piece of it too. You have that. You're you're the the ownership has to factor into this. So you have the Atlanta well, owners and the different. Washington owner who's asleep. That's different. Atlanta's Le- uh, Le- been asleep for 20 years with his basketball team. At least the hockey team's done well. But uh, all right, we're moving on. Hanging around five teams: Lakers 17th, 27 and 32; OKC 28 and 29. Minnesota 31 and 30, Brooklyn 34 and 24, and the Knicks at number 13, 33 
and 27. We probably both have the same for the team we would want to be going forward as OKC. It really would have been fun if Chet had played this year. How many wins, like realistically, how many wins would he have been worth for that team? Like, let's say three. Yeah, I, okay. I was wondering how big let's that number three. was going to be. You're right. But let's probably... give him three. That Now they're 31 and 26, right? They're they're like a borderline in the mix for like a four or five seed um, and head in the right direction. They struck oil with uh, fucking awesome Jason uh, Jalen Williams, the swingman. That guy, wow. Um, just over and over again, Presti's crushed these picks. And then they have a... a a top 12 guy in the league now. Well, Giddy. SJ is a top 12 guy. And Giddy, who I love. So And Giddy. They play their ass off. I mean, we don't even talk about Lou Dort anymore. They are in their last 15 in the NBA. Like, I kind of just do, like, last 15 game snapshots and compare everybody to everybody. They're sixth in offense and 11 on defense for a team that's supposed to be tanking. They, like, get better. And you watch them certain nights going, hey, I mean, look, any Boston fan can tell you they weren't ready at all. SG didn't even play in that game. And it's like, actually, everybody already kind of knows what they did. They are the opposite of so many young teams we see in the NBA where they they kind of know what they're doing and they play with a sense of pride, which is like really unheard of. Because it's, it's one thing that, like usually you have pride because you've done something. <laughs> These guys are just prideful when they go out there. I was so impressed. I talked about this on the pod when it happened, but with that LeBron scoring record game, how they handled their business that game. It's a 15-minute break, especially with a young team. That should totally mess you up. And there's so much history in the building, and it was like the break ended. They came back out, kept kicking their ass. Since December 1st, they're 19 and 16. That's a, almost half a season sample size, 35 games. And that I actually would have thought that was a tiny bit higher. So, man, you throw in all the picks they have, and that Paul George trade is going to go down as one of the best trades of the last 25 years, maybe, maybe in the top three, uh, when, cause we haven't even seen what they got from the picks yet, but to get SGA, uh, they already got Jalen Williams and Trey, I think Trey Mann was the, they already got him out of that trade. And then they have all the, all the picks haven't even really manifested themselves yet. Well, okay. Just to finish though, would you say then like, as we've kind of balanced this topic around, Hey, I like Orlando better because of the players. I know Utah has a million picks, but like it's a combination of not only OKC's talent from what we've seen this point and knowing, okay, and the, the dump truck of picks is coming here too. It's the fact that they have a guy that we think could be the best guy on a contender at some point, SGA. Orlando would, doesn't have that yet. Would Minnesota, because I think we'd both agree that we'd probably rather have Anthony Edwards than any single player on any of the rosters in this group? For the next 10 years or the next five? I don't know. What Do you think there's a difference? I think I would rather have SGA than Edwards. Over the right next now. five? I th I just, maybe maybe I'm drinking too much SGA Kool-Aid. Like, what else do we need to see? He's averaging 30 a game. He goes toe-to-toe -to -toe against every star in the league. He delivers over and over again at crunch time. Like, at what point do we just admit this is a real thing, that he's one of the best guards in the league? I think he's there. Yeah, because I'll have admit, a long sample size now. The numbers in the beginning, you're just like, okay, number one option. Is this option, a hot streak? Team. What is this? It's not a hot streak. He yeah. does this game after game after game. He gets whatever shot he wants. I love watching them. And, you know, Edwards is great too. I think it's at least they're even. I don't know if I would you give might be right. guy an edge. You might be right, but I'd still take Anthony Edwards. But Edwards is just, I mean, the fact that he didn't really start playing basketball until 10th grade is good. It's like the greatest fact of anyone in the okay, entire league. I want to know what's unbelievable. I want to know what the neighborhood was. Was there was there a hoop somewhere at the cul-de-sac? Well, I mean, obviously he shot right. around, but yeah. this was just like 
he's like, wait, maybe I'll start playing basketball more. And then all he of was sudden, he's the best player in Georgia. There's there's no way he started dribbling as a sophomore. Like the first time he this ever This should dribbled. be like, somebody needs to do like a 45 minute investigation of this. Because no, because they won't, because it's not as good of a story as if one day he <laughs> right. was like, hey, fuck it, throw me that thing. And what do you do with yeah. this again? Like that's the way these stories, these stories are told to us. There's a really good chance Anthony Edwards was dribbling a basketball before he was a sophomore in high school is my point. I don't have evidence. I'm just saying. Well, that's why he can't be the answer for no. Even though Minnesota has no picks left, I would still rather be them than the Lakers. The Lakers now have been decimated from a pick standpoint, and they basically have LeBron, who's 20 years in in the league, and Davis, who I don't trust to play for three straight weeks. Pretty weird ownership situation, too. That is the team I would not want to be if you gave me a choice. And I don't know what Davis's value is if they decided to move him this offseason. I don't know who's falling all over themselves like do you think they could get anything close to that durant deal i don't No, the durant deal probably not but i think they'd get more than we think i think we're constantly reminded of like oh what are you gonna get for that guy i always heard all the time mm. you know when davis is, is rolling another team would talk themselves into it another team would say oh we're gonna get him away from all that we're gonna do this we're gonna bring him these trainers you're gonna go all gluten-free you know whatever i mean somebody <laughs> would talk themselves into it but you're right i think the lakers are the because I wonder how quickly or how motivated they were just to marginally improve this year to hope that that pick didn't end up being number one. Oh, interesting. I like that. Well, I'll tell you this. They beat New Orleans the other night, and I put on first take the next day as they were as, as I was having coffee. And to, you know they have the graphics, what they're talking about, the question. And the graphics were like, are the Lakers contenders again? And are the Lakers for real? It's just because they beat New Orleans without Zion. I don't see it. I don't, I think defensively um, their guards are a nightmare for trying to guard anybody. And I, I just don't see, like I mentioned before about how they'd have to go 14 and nine just to go 41 and 41. I don't see how they would go 14 and nine unless LeBron and knew LeBron and Davis were playing every game. Defensively, they're just not good enough. I could see, look, I could see if Davis was even close to beginning of the season, Davis. And I think I've personally seen some glimpses of his competitiveness. Like there's been a little bit more fire from him. Oh, congratulations. There's been <laughs> know, some glimpses of competitiveness. That sounds great. <laughs> I know I'm reaching. Do we need to I, give more money? Should we make $60 million a year and we get more than glimpses? What's the I, number? I try. I try to find some positives every now and then. And I think D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> despite guy. My, uh, my history with him this season, like I just don't think he's going to pull the same bullshit in a short amount of time. Like he's been pretty good for him. Like he's actually, so I just wondered if they went, Hey, deep down, let's just, let's just make sure we're not terrible, terrible. And then this pick haunts us for a long time. I'm not ready to have an opinion on the Russell thing yet until the game that we know is coming over the next two weeks when there's a minute left and they're down two and they get a stop and it comes down and Russell has the ball and he dribbles for seven seconds and then launches a 28 footer and misses. And it cuts to LeBron just with that LeBron face for like, a second and a half before he disgruntled runs back up the court on defense, just furious. Right. That's like, going to happen. And he's looking let's at see, Martha Let's see how Stewart. it goes after that first shot. Right. right. I love when he finds somebody in the crowd after he wants them to know how mad he is at the teammate. Right. Like George Lopez. Can you believe this motherfucker? <laughs> Shannon, where's Shannon Sharp? Is he over there? Uh, the We didn't mention, so the Lakers are the team we wouldn't want to be. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of the closet right now with mm -hmm. Brooklyn. 34 and 24. I like their team. I like watching them. I think there's something there. And if Simmons wasn't a complete write-off, 
if they had had, first of all, if the Simmons from three years ago was with these guys, this team would be actually good. Like a really legitimately good team that would be really hard to play. They're deep. They have shooting all over the place. They have wings. They can switch on defense. But they need Ben Simmons, and he's the 13th guy on the team, and he's pretty much unplayable at this point. But I still think they're like a little better than maybe people think. They're not going to, they're, they're so deep, they're never going to throw away a game. You're always going to have to like, you know, go at them and beat them for four quarters. They have these random heat check guys. I just kind of like the team. My, is this, uh, you, you seem disgusted. I just, I don't know. I, you know what? The, the Ben Simmons thing is a trigger. It triggers me. Okay. It goes, and it goes back to like the fact that JJ and Tommy got Ben Simmons in that sit down is incredible. Okay. That yeah. is what every podcast hopes they have. And he has the juice to be able to do it as much as anybody who's doing it right now. And so it was, it was really good, but it was also like really revealing in what I thought was a pretty horrifying way. If I were a Nets fan, yeah, that I was like, wow. Like I, when I got done with that episode and a lot of it was like, I'm still awesome. And people don't understand that I can do this. And like, I do all these different things. And I was like, this guy's not even close. Like it's not like, yeah, there was no accountability at yeah. all. It was everyone else's fault. And I, there was no self-reflection or anything. I thought it was an alarming interview. Exactly. I made, I made fun of Tommy about it. I was like, whoa, did you run out of softballs or did you have to run to run to the big five and buy I, support? See, I don't think it even was though like, yeah, I would have done the interview differently, but I also would not have ever gotten it. <laughs> okay. Right, right. So but at some point I would have been like, hey, dude, like this isn't, but you know, in a way. How do you get worked. worse at free throw shooting every year? Your profession, like that's that's a question that I just want to hear somebody ask him at some point. Like, do you work hard on your game? Do you work on your craft? How have you worked on your craft the last three years to get better at it? Is a question I just want to hear him answer at some point. I just think he's a delusional basketball guy. I just think he is. I don't like think when, he likes basketball. When, when he went and dunked in front of Nick Friedel last year when he didn't yeah. play, remember he was like post this video and it was him yeah. dunking in the practice facility and then the guy didn't play. And you were yeah. like, what? So then it was the carryover and then that interview and again, what wasn't, and I just want to make sure those guys don't like think we're, no, we love those it, guys. It was, I got done with that episode and I was scared. <laughs> I was like, what was that? And it's exactly like that interview to me is, was the foundation for the Ben Simmons story, the player for this season. And there were these little, little glimpses like, oh man, he had a bunch of assists in the first half of this game. Remember the Boston mm. game? It was like a third, uh, 13, 10 point swing. Yeah. So it was like plus 13 with them on minus 10 with them off in the first half, lighten it up didn't play the last seven minutes of the game because right. Jock Vaughn was like, nope, like it's not working. And then Jock Vaughn had that long answer just two weeks ago, less than two weeks ago. Being like, we that don't know what we're doing and trying and whatever. And it was almost like a, a public warning of like, I don't know how much he's going to play in certain situations. Now he probably will because I don't really know who they are as a team, but you're right, Bill. It's, it's really frustrating. Like forget the number one pick, forget multiple all-stars. Like, just a guy that had a little bit more aggressiveness to him. And now it's been gone. It's been gone for a long time and you still have two years left. And then Ben Simmons has to kind of go like, I'm still not hundred percent. And you're like, dude, like, okay. It's so. a shame. I really liked watching him play basketball. Um, just before we go to break the Knicks really quick, 33 and 27. And I love the Josh Hart trade for them. It's already been borne out as uh, that's a nice, nice addition for them. The, the big thing we talked about the Brunson 
signing a couple times during the summer because we both liked it. It is what it is. It was a little high, but that's what you have to do in free agency to get somebody, right? So you're going to pay 15, 20% like, extra. Whenever we, any of us say a little high, we should just accept that that means that's what the price is. Like there are yeah, it's bad the new contracts. Car. It's a new car. It's just, it's just whenever it's that like extra 10 to 15 million, we should all just shut up about it because that's the yeah. winning bid. You know, but not we, right. We really like Brunson and we like the signing. I don't think either of us thought he would be a 24 point a game guy. Like this guy who there's nights where he's just the best guy on the floor, just destroying teams. And that would, that's been surprising to me. Like he's actually a little better than I thought. And I feel like I was about as high on him as anybody. I really valued him and I thought he was great for Dallas. And I thought it was a huge mistake them letting him go, but he's even gone up a level beyond what I expected. Yeah. He's beyond a level that I expected to. I mean, some of the stuff that he's doing here is incredible as a one on a good team. Like this yeah. isn't a one on a team that sucks. So this is going to be like a 47, 48 right. win team probably. Right. I'll call myself out a little because this summer, I think the only thing that could be perceived as being negative about it was that when you bring in a free agent and you see the $100 million tag, and I know Knicks fans are usually smarter than, than other you know fan bases, but it's like, is this guy going to carry us? Like now we're asking, and I thought like, okay, because he plays- The savior complex with right. free agents. And- I thought that that could get weird when he, I didn't know that he was going to be that guy. And now he's actually that guy. So, uh, yeah, this is mm. better than I thought he would be. But, but you're right to mention the RJ thing, because I think that's, he's not going in. There was, he's slow start. Then he looked good in December and it looked like the ship had been right a little bit, but now it's going the other way again. And I'm not sure. It just feels like he's going to get traded in the off season unless we see some sort of come back again. If you look at the counting stats, you'd be shocked how good they still are with RJ, and it doesn't match yeah. the eye test. Yeah. All right. Quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. 
This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. All right, we're moving to the top 12. These are the wild card section. Number 12, Sacramento. They're 32 and 25. Rosillo, this was one of our locks in the over-under pod. I think the over-under was 33 and a half. And we, we, you, me, and House all had them as locks, so we're about to hit that. Miami have it 11 at 32 and 27. Dallas 10 at 31 and 29. Cleveland 9 at 38 and 23. And then Memphis 8, 35 and 22. So for the team... I would want to be going forward. I'm still going to say Cleveland, even if they frustrate the hell out of me. And I don't understand. We we should talk about the Kevin Love thing. Um, what's the point of buying out somebody when you actually have like a fringe chance to win the contender? But I still like their team the most. Like fundamentally, whether Mitchell's there for 10 years, five, whatever, I know I have Mobley and I know I have Garland for the next 10 years. I know I can contend short-term. I know there's moves I can make to always be in the mix. And then long-term, I'm set to. Um, I don't care that I don't have picks. I like that team. That was my pick. What'd you have? Uh, I completely agree with you. Now, it seems a little... I feel like everybody's so anti-Memphis now. It's weird. It's it's definitely zagged a little too hard, but I I also think people are a little too pro-Memphis. So now it's got to just shake out. We need some equilibrium now. All right. Um, They also haven't been good for pretty much like a month. No, really it's since a little that weird. Shane and Sharp game. Yeah, they they there's some immaturity with that team that I think uh was just, I like Steven Adams is good, but he shouldn't mean this much. Where it's like, man, since Steven Adams went out, we fell apart. It's like what? I, I can't we haven't talked about this, you and I. Word for word, what I think about when I see this rough stretch. I'm like, hey, he's a nice piece, but are you fucking kidding me? Like yeah. you guys are gonna fall like Jav, you're this fringe MVP type of dude, which I think he is, and Jaron's playing regularly. I know the Dylan Brooks minutes have been killing him. Um, you know, I know they didn't have, but like when they didn't have Bain in the beginning of the year, they were winning a ton of games. We liked their depth, or maybe I just like their options, and I'm lying to myself a little bit there. But th- it, this shouldn't happen. I mean, is it because also this is the NBA season? Like, look at the Celtics. How many guys have been out? I think what are their best five guys have played 29 minutes together? They've been missing Smart. They're missing Rob Williams. This is all recent. Jalen's out. Other than the just, smart part of it, but the the season is people are going to be missing for a couple You're weeks, right. you know. And then you right. gotta get your shit together. I didn't, I didn't like a lot of it. It also seems like they put a bullseye on themselves that um, maybe they didn't need to do. They talked a lot of shit, and they seem like they're the most disliked team in the league now. Um, but yeah, I have Cleveland over them. The team I wouldn't, I'd like all of these teams, to be honest, um, just from a short-term standpoint, because I think Dallas will be really good with Kyrie, at least for the next six weeks before. When do, what do you have for, if you had to pick a date in the office poll for 
things are going too well. Kyrie's going to mess this up. What would you have? Would you go somewhere in April? Would you do playoffs? What would you do? Yeah, yeah. Let me look at this now. All right, I'm going to say I'm going to try. You to look at their right schedule. Now. Yeah, you really no. want to get a good answer here. No. So let's say. Because it's usually but, when things are going great is usually when he no, strikes. That's, this is my point. I'm going to say they're going to be up 2-1 on Sacramento in the first round of the playoffs. And then say he'll do something weird. <laughs> Some weird tweet. Be up 2-1. Be up 2-1. Like, he's going to retire. He's going to be back. It's like you're in a, in a relationship. It's just going great. You're like, man, this has been really good lately. And then they just don't come home for 48 hours. Like, where'd you go? What happened? Sorry. Uh, it is fun to watch them. You know, listen, we've, I think we've been as critical of Kyrie as anybody, and I would not want that guy on my team. And I think he should be paid on a year to year contract. But when he's happy and having fun playing basketball and you watch him with Luca and some of the pieces they have, and Josh Green has played out of our ass, that's a fun team to watch. It just is. I hope he can keep it together, but I just, we know from his history that he won't. Do you hope he can keep it together? Do you actually well, I actively like, I like root Luke. for him? I no, I like Luca. And I, I don't want Luca to be in this situation where LeBron was in, where there's just seven years of your career goes by and the best guys you played with were Kyrie when he was sane for eight weeks and Jalen Brunson and Porzingis. And it's like year eight. That's what I don't want. I think he's too important. So I, I hope for his sake it'll be fun. Right. Uh I don't have anything left on the Kyrie thing. He was so freaking good in that Minnesota game. That's one of my favorite regular season games this year. Uh, watching. Yeah, Anthony you texted me about that. I watched the second half that next day. It was the fourth quarter was incredible. Yeah, that's a rare. I'm like, I know we all watch the games and stuff, but like, if you don't catch this or if you're not locked in, go back. And I would say this to the audience now, like, if you have the capability, fine. Like, go back and watch that second half. Go watch that fourth quarter in Minnesota and Dallas. It's one of my favorite Minnesota games. Minnesota was playing hard. Yeah, I mean, and they, they were couldn't challenging do anything. and contesting everything. It was it was why there were still four or five teams that wanted Kyrie that fourth quarter. Like, think about what he did in that fourth quarter and the way he was given in Minnesota everything, and they were playing their asses off trying to figure out a way to stop him. Because Finch will do something. Like, Finch yeah. is really good. Like, Finch is going to say, all right, we'll just let it. You know, I love that Anthony Edwards goes after people. I love that McDaniels is, is becoming, like, a really special defensive player, too. And, like, that last play against Luka where, again, Luka and Kyrie just sort of fucked it up because they kept passing back and forth with each other. But it was also because, dude, who are these two young guys with all this size swarming us right now and making it tough for Luka? You know, think how many last second shots Luka has where everybody knows it's going to happen and it still looks effortless because he's that yeah. hard to deal with. So um, I don't – I don't – the Luka part could make them the pick. I, I feel like I have a couple quick follow-ups for you. Why do you have Miami in this group with Sacramento, Dallas, Cleveland, and Memphis? You still hanging on? I am. I I, I call them the zombies. I just okay. think they're zombies. They're going to be right. heard from. Nobody wants nobody wants to admit it, but they're going to be heard from. And they, you know, they get Kevin Love. We didn't even talk about this. Go ahead, do your Kevin Love thing because I know this is building. Hurt his hand and he sucked in January and they fell out of the rotation and he wasn't happy and they he means a lot to that franchise in the city. So they wanted to write for him. They bought him out. And now he's going to go to Miami. His hand's going to be healthy and I think he's going to help them. And my question is, because anytime this happens, we always hear like, look, it's important for a team to do this for the, for the goodwill, for the goodwill of the players. You want to show your players and, you know, you want to show potential free agents that, you, you know, you handle your business right. And my question for you is, 
that doesn't fucking matter anymore. These guys don't care. We like look at all the shit we've just watched over the last four or five years. Does any player think look at an organization and go, oh, they handle their business right? That's these guys. They're they're going to do whatever is best for them. If we haven't learned that lesson over the last six years, we haven't learned any lessons at all. And if I'm Cleveland, I'm looking at this like I just gave away all of these picks for Donovan Mitchell. I have a I'm a top five team in the East. I have a puncher's chance if my guards get hot and Mobley goes up a level of maybe I can make the conference finals. I don't want to play Miami in round one and all of a sudden there's healthy Kevin Love, like fucking a Last of Us episode, the zombie that you should have killed before and now he's back and he's hitting threes. Like I'm doing what's best for my team. I don't care about the goodwill of the league. That's my rant. I love the goodwill part of it. You know, that was the old like, I know Lakers fans just think we're doing this because we're from Mass, but you know when they signed Kobe to that deal, and everyone's like, "What are you doing?" It's like, no, no, the free agents will respect us. They're like, they no, will. Durant yeah. didn't even have a meeting with them. Well, Marcus Aldridge turned you down. Like it was like Kobe. This deal will prove the rest of the league that the Lakers take care of of their people, and it's like nobody cares. Know. Yeah, I don't. I don't love just letting him bounce for nothing because you don't know. They still can't quite figure out. My guess would be watching the way they're trying to close games that they're hoping between Okoro, who's actually shot it better, Levert, who I think, I, I don't forget the last time I looked at his game log, his numbers look better shooting-wise. Like that that small forward position is going to be really important, and I don't think they thought they could survive with love as a closing group specific to what they're trying to do. So it still gives you insurance for the Allen and Mobley. Like, you know, you, you're factoring in – I'm not. Oh, these I'm guys not saying are gonna be healthy. Wrong. Yeah, I just don't. I would have been in the room just going nuts. Like, wait, we're just gonna we're gonna pay this guy to go away. Like, what if we need him? What the if other he goes on it, another team and hurts us? Even though I don't like um, Miami that much, and and wonder why you have him in this group here, you're probably right because I was wrong about him last year, and they were shot away for playing. Who for would you? Who are you be more afraid of in a playoff series, Miami or Sacramento? Like, just think about it fundamentally. You're now in a playoff series. Everything's slowing down. There's five minutes left. Miami starts doing their bullshit do stuff. Or like, you can't because Sacramento hasn't done it, even though that. No, but that's what there. I mean. That's why I have them ranked higher because I know, like, you know what's going to happen in the Miami game. They're down seven. Bam hits his 22 footer with one second left on the shot clock. They get a stop. Tyler Hero hits a three. They get another stop. Comes back down. Butler charges into three guys and one. Now they're leading. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? We're up seven. Miami's winning. I, but that's just, I just think that I really value their experience. And I wrote them off earlier in the season. It was a mistake. They're in their good stretch despite losing two before the all-star break, but they still can't shoot. They're the third worst three-point shooting team yeah. in the NBA. Um, their offense, again, depending on how you want to take, take the snapshot of it, if you go to the last 15, they're 24th. They don't score enough. What they did last year going as deep as they did in the playoffs is remarkable considering offense is always an issue. And you look at the rotation and you're like, I can't believe Spo does it night in and night out with these guys. And now you're taking Lowry out of the equation, right? I mean, I guess you could hope that maybe there's some kind of turnaround. I think there's another argument that's pro your side of this on the love buyout is why would you want Miami to add any piece of depth if you potentially have to run into them? Like say things do click and it all kind of works out. That's, that's I think, another strong argument against going like Miami's desperate for an eight to nine man rotation because they're always light. They always feel like they yeah. have less options than the other good teams in the East. And now, look, the bio. Also, we know is, he was historically hurt. Like, overrated, first of all, but no, but we know he was hurt. If it was like, oh, he might be washed, that's different. And maybe he is, but we know he hurt his hand. 
We know it'll probably be healthy. It just bothered me. All right, next group, lurking. Can I, no, I have one quick last follow up. Sorry. Who would yeah. you rather have, Ja or Mitchell? For next seven years or this year? Next three years, eight months. I actually, I don't, to me, it's not a debate. I'd rather have Ja. Okay. All right. Just double checking. Because it is, you are right. Back to an original point here. Everybody is off of Memphis right now. It feels like everybody is off of them. And I, I don't know if I'm zagging or if I just go, are we forgetting like when everybody was playing, they're beating a lot of teams. Like they're right there with everybody else on top of the West. Last four minutes of a game, especially at home, they're really tough. Ja with the ball, just going into three guys is really hard to officiate. You see, he's got to be top four hardest to officiate stars in the league right now, right? Yeah, but with him, I feel like he earns it a little bit more than some of the other guys. Oh, great. You know, this is where it turned into like an anti-Brunson thing. But Brunson's right up there with Trey and Prime Harden of getting these shit calls. And yeah, he's know. great at it. He does. He does fool the refs. Uh, next group is lurking. Number seven, Golden State. Number six, Clippers. Number five, Phoenix. And number four, Philly. Golden State's twenty nine and twenty nine. Clippers are thirty three and twenty eight. Arrow pointing up. Phoenix thirty two and twenty eight, waiting for KD to come back. And Philly. Is 38-19. They're 26 and 7 in their last 33, which is the best record in the league. Um, so people listening to this would be like, wait, why do you have Golden State seventh? They're a 500 team. Um, I think people know why. I just would. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they've earned it. I also have them as my no for the team I wouldn't want to be going forward, which was crazy to me. But um, I thought I was gonna say Phoenix, I thought I was gonna say the Clippers, but I'm alarmed by Golden State's books. <laughs> After they're on the books for 210 million next year, not counting Draymond's 27.5 player option, I think they're going to have some really tough decisions to make with Clay and Draymond down the road. Poole is already making a shit ton of money. They missed on Wiseman. They already cut bait on that. Not sure about Moody. You and I, I think, are the are probably as bullish on Kaminga's potential as anybody. But I do wonder what this looks like in three years. And if you're Tell me the way Kawhi has looked lately, and he's only, I think, 31. And him and Paul George, 31, wait, 32. Wait. How old is Kawhi? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. But you're after a few. Uh, Kawhi's been unstoppable. He's been awesome. But well, that, that was the team I was going to pick, but I couldn't get there. I think I would rather have their next five years than Golden State's. I, I, but I, I might be wrong. I just... I really worry about the money and paying people for past performance, which I think is the situation they're going to be in. They, they're going to have uh, to pay. What are they going to yeah, do with Clay I'm, and Draymond? Is Clay a $40 million guy anymore? Well, depending on what the new CBA looks like, what, 24, 25? 25 uh, be the first year. I don't know. I don't know what the hell the numbers are going to be for guys. I think it's going to be like 60 plus million for the, for the best players. So you'd so, rather have the Golden State future? I need a little bit more from Kawhi and Paul George before I start Fair. saying Kawhi has been better lately as a positive. He has been better for right now. He's been fucking awesome. Um, their their game against Phoenix, that was that was like a really nice, impressive game. Even though Kawhi took him forever to get going, uh, he didn't make any shots. Also, how many? Here's the other thing I forgot to mention: the Golden State case. How many? How many of these injuries is Curry going to have? I worry about him from a durability standpoint too. He's had a few of these now. And, and Phoenix, you could say Phoenix could be the answer for no because Chris Paul's 37 and Durant is the same thing. He's had a few real real injuries at this point and they've traded away all their picks. I thought this was the toughest group to pick the no. 
I didn't feel great about any of the choices. I would say the Clippers not having any of their picks might be the deciding factor. Golden State. Yeah, you're right. I, I forgot about that part. You're right. That should be Clippers are the no. You're right. But I don't. I was you wrong. Know, I'm sort Aggregators, of picking... Just make sure. Make sure I, you count the 180. I just did. <laughs> But with the You're picks right. here, no it's, picks. it's it's kind of group to group where it's like, all right, how much am I weighing the picks here? Uh, you know, right. The Curry injuries have been kind of weird. You had the hand one. You had the knee one last year, which Multiple you came back ones. from. He's got the ankles from the past. The so- the shoulder one, when you watched it, you were like, what the fuck? You just reached for the ball. That was that was right. kind of a weird, like, that was like an old man pickup injury. Um, and then he had the knee, which was already hurt. You could tell because it was all braced up and there was some stuff that he's doing. He'd gone down again. So, yeah, it's starting to add up. Having said all that, I still like his track record of, of, of like, is he going to be Kawhi. there over Kawhi's? Despite the fact. Yeah, I think you're right. I messed that, that up. All right. One thing on the Paul George trade, they have, they have pick swaps in 23 and 25, OKC. Okay, I think they're going to be better than the Clippers in 25, right? Like that one might actually come into play this year. It won't because the Clippers are going to have better records, so you got to throw it out. Um, but the 2025, I think OKC will actually have a better record than them. They and then might they have, and then they have their 24 and 26 unprotected first too. So um, there's a lot left. What team? What team would you want to be out of these four? Golden State, Clippers, Phoenix, Philly. Phoenix. I had them as well. Because we're, we're talking about Durant and Booker is the next five years. I know I have that, and I know I can build around that at the very least. Right now, this is all like <laughs> this is a weird year because every time I'm trying to figure it out, I've already talked about this. It's like which health do I want to bet on, right? Because I felt like Boston was yeah. a better health bet. I still feel like you know Jaw and jaron jackson's injuries like i'd rather deal with those than Kawhi and paul george's injury history and a lot of it just comes down to simple age here once phoenix has all their guys and we'll see how long that lasts but if they have all their guys give me that and the chance of that for the next one or two years i also think i don't know i'm optimistic on how durant's going to age because it's the game is so easy for him and the injuries he's had were really like like that last one he had was just Jimmy Butler fell on his leg. Anyone on the league was getting hurt on that. So the way he, the time he puts into his game, I, I do feel like he has four to five years left. But he's going to um, get hurt. I mean, this is ever this is a yearly thing with him now too. So it's kind of like the Curry thing, where maybe it's not the one devastating thing, but we know we're not going to have you. And now it's just this game of is there any way we can have you with a couple of weeks before the playoffs start? Golden State thing. I think it's going to be really hard to keep improving that team with the amount of money they're selling out already. But I guess that's a topic for another pod. Last group, the contenders, Denver, Boston, Milwaukee, one was my list. Denver, three, 41 and 18. Boston, two, 42 and 17. Milwaukee, one, 41 and 17. I just think for me, Milwaukee, I've always felt this way. I'm not going to waver. Um, Denver is, is probably going to end up being the best regular season team. But, you know, the Giannis, I still think is... That's the marker for the rest of the league. The guy you got to go through. You know you have to go through at some point to win the title or get to the finals. And I like some of the moves they've made. The Ingles thing, Crowder. Um, they finally have Middleton back looking normal again. And I just think that's the best team. Yeah, I don't know that I'm all the way back with Middleton, even though he's been back and they keep winning all these games. Um, some of the free throw attempt stuff with him. 
you know, can mm. usually be a sign of like, who are you becoming as a player? I would put Drew ahead of him as the second best player on this team. Me too. Because there's moments. I mean, granted, they're Did you see him in the Boston game against yeah. the Boston's bench? He I was unbelievable spent, in that I game. Spent six minutes on that. He was, once he stripped Eric White, like that oh game. Oh my God. That game was. What I said on my podcast after that game, I go, this is a lesson in why we all lose our shit on the guys that are really good. Like the scores yeah. that are the top 20 players, the guys that can get buckets whenever they want. The reason all these teams will do whatever they can to get them, and we spend so much time talking about them, and we get so bummed out when they make trade demands and all this different shit, because that was an exercise in like, this is what it looks like when you have players who can't get any separation or can't get their own bucket. Like Hauser has that drive, and he's like, oh shit, this isn't going to work. Grant Williams tries to fucking go between his legs against Giannis. <laughs> Right. And you were like, what is this? And like Derek White, who's been awesome, and I you know, love seeing it because I think a lot of Austin fans were like, wait, you guys thought this guy was good? And we're like, no, he's actually really good. Um, Drew just strips him clean, and then that was the game. So you can make fun of Milwaukee. You're like, cool, you went to overtime against Boston's bench, but I thought there was a nice little lesson in there. I completely agree with you. I want to take the guy that's the best player and that he's who's, still in his who prime. Who seems really motivated to, like really. I think that some of this Jokic and Bede stuff was, was probably good for him. Yeah, when and it's it, funny. Like about six weeks ago, I think I think that was a nice little fire for him. Whenever you see the like, there'll be some Jokic graphic that comes out, right? And you go, "Oh my god, <laughs> I, I can't believe no one's yeah. ever done this." And then there'll be some Giannis one that comes out, and you're like, "Wait, he's the first guy to be doing this." I mean, it all seems to always go back to Will, but between them and and of course Embiid, the last year plus with this MVP debate that's gone on and on. Like, if you want to, you can find five things for each one of the guys. You're like, well, how does that guy not win? And you're like, well, that's the point because that's how special this group is. Jokic was plus 49 on off in February. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm glad this is good because I was starting to look at like the prime five lineups, right? So who, that's amazing. Yeah. Who, which teams, like, what do they look like when their five guys are out there? And that plus yeah. minus isn't as much of a swing as you would think. Like, for example, Sacramento's five-man lineup is like, played more than, again, some of the qualifiers can be how many minutes per game and all that kind of stuff. But, like, for the most part, Sacramento's always had their five guys. And I think it's a big part of their success. They play like a team that kind of knows what they're all supposed to be doing. Denver's prime five is probably and i don't know if i have this like because the qualifiers and minutes and all that stuff can change it a little bit but i think for like teams that actually play and like hey who are their starting five well here are their five and when they play like the plus minus for them is the best group of any of those five the weird thing for denver is they've got like a massive net negative when their bench is in okay? yeah but in the playoffs is that really going to matter all that much um well they also all added two guys that i think are genuinely going to help them i think thomas brown will help them and reggie jackson will absolutely 100 help them he will. Yeah. And I, I think they were so sick of Bones. I think Jokic is pretty sick yeah. of it too. And, you know, it's just, I can't imagine being part of that Nugget staff and then listening to these other broadcasts be like, oh, you know, Bones, he's, you know, he's just, he gets a yeah. chance. And it's like, all right, whatever. Um, But the reason I bring that up is that when you're looking at like Boston's five-man unit, like that number is not as high as you would have thought, but then you like their depth better than everybody else. Golden State, the Curry, Clay. Wiggins, Draymond, Looney lineup. If you frame it, it, depending on how you, that's like the second best five man unit in the NBA behind the Jokic group. Yeah. Atlanta's group with Trey, DeJounte, Hunter, Collins, and Clint is it's way up there. Really good. It's like, plus that's why I haven't four. totally given up on them yet. Cause <laughs> that's you're, crazy, you're right? right? Yeah. So, 
Uh, Milwaukee. It's so funny. You- I just looked at all this too. The Celtics one, they were like 8.7 plus 8.7. It's like not amazing. They're best five. Is it plus so, eight? It was something like right, that. Or plus eight. At- and it was- but I would agree with you. However, I looked at it, it wasn't as overwhelming as I thought it would be, but it also speaks to like, you know, I think they could do a little bit more stuff because of their depth. And granted, they're kind of hitting their rough injury stretch. But yeah, well, but I think it also that's- speaks to when your when your bench is really good, then some of the on off stuff isn't going to be as dramatic because you got like Brogdon and Way coming in. That's why I don't. I think it's a really fun stat to look at, but I also think it can be a little deceiving sometimes because Denver's bench was just not good, and it's going to be better now. But that was at least a piece of why Jokic shouldn't be plus no no NBA player should be plus forty nine even if it's for seven games. That's ludicrous. Yeah, it just was something, because the Atlanta thing, I went, oh, and because you know, I'd heard the Golden State one before. I think at one stretch, it was actually the best starting five unit um, yeah. with them. And then that's why they would think, hey, just let us get into the tournament here and we still have a really good chance. And I don't think it's right. You know, it's it's just, it's hard when you're watching a team suck every other game. <laughs> Go right. have an open mind, have an open mind. But I think that's, the most important thing with a team like them and that resume and if Curry comes back. Which team would you want to be going forward, Boston, Milwaukee, or Denver? Milwaukee. Giannis. Because mm, Giannis. Okay. I think I'd go Boston. Just because I, I think there's I think there's more assets and this Tatum thing with the arrow, he's only 25, three years younger than Giannis, but then I get all the other stuff. Whereas with Milwaukee, for this year, I'd take Milwaukee. But if you're talking like next seven, then it gets a little more confusing for me. But I, I, I don't think there's well, a right answer. If you want to tell me next seven, then yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you got me. But <laughs> And whatever happens this year, because I think we are in agreement on like the this year part, the having to get through Giannis, you know, and it's going to be weird if like something if they were to be bouncing out early, like how happy the team on the other side of the brackets could be like, are you kidding me? It's going to be like that Denver Jacksonville situation where the Jags beat the Broncos and the Pats got to play them with Bledsoe in the 96 AFC championship game. Like, oh, you're right. Have, I love that. We, right. we didn't have to go to Denver. Um, that, that was basically Golden State last year in a lot of ways, right? They all of a sudden were in the finals and then, then they started playing their best basketball, but the road to the finals for them really wasn't, wasn't like crazy hard. Like yeah, Memphis was probably the hardest series for them. Yeah, and you don't know, nobody wants to like what Phoenix was actually doing in the regular season when you go back and look at it. And then they just skipped Phoenix. Um, <laughs> they didn't have to play him. Uh, we're taking one more break and okay. then a quick end of the pod segment that we're going to start. We'll see if it works. This episode is brought to you by Nissan SUV. It's good to stay up to date. I mean, we've seen this in basketball, we've seen it in football, we've seen it in baseball. Once the stats started taking off in the 2000s, everybody had to figure that out. Then I remember in basketball, first it was three-pointers, then it was defensive stats. You just got to keep moving, you got to keep evolving, you got to keep going. Now it's pace and threes. What's it going to be next, big guys? That's why the 2024 Nissan Rogue has Google built right into its 12.3-inch touchscreen infotainment system. With Google Maps, Assistant, and more, you can stay up to date on everything that's ahead without even needing to connect your phone. Find your next adventure with the Nissan SUV. Learn more about the Rogue, Pathfinder, and Armada SUVs at NissanUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. 
I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, so this is a new segment we're going to start on Sundays, me and Rosillo. I, I don't know a title yet, maybe Drunk Trade History or... Um, Greatest sober. 21st century trade, sober trade history. That's fine. Yeah, sober trade history is good. We're going to tackle the Dwight Howard trade today. Okay. Um, Russell and I love trades. We love the, the mechanics of how things shook out, all the different variables, the things that came out, why, team, why a team made the decision they did in the moment, how it changed. So Dwight Howard trade's a good one. This was a four-teamer made in the summer of 2012 that got the Lakers Dwight Howard. That was the first thing we remember. Orlando finally trades Dwight Howard a year late. Chris Duhon's in it as well for them. Philly gets Andrew Bynum and Jason Richardson. Denver gets Andre Iguodala. And Orlando gets Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Aflalo, Al Harrington, Mo Harkless, some expirings. They get Denver's 2014 first, a protected Philly first in 2017, and a conditional Lakers first. Andrew Bynum plays zero games for Philly. Dwight Howard plays a year for the Lakers. I think they get swept. Then he signs with Houston. And Iguodala plays a year in Denver. And Orlando basically belatedly becomes the winner of this trade. But what do you remember about that trade in 2012 versus how we remember it now? Vegas would not have given you odds on Orlando ending up being the best end of this historically. (laughs) They'd be like, we can't. Like convincingly. Right. Like we're going to, the number has to be so massive. We can't cover the payout if it were to actually happen. And that's the first thing that jumps out is all of these other moving pieces, all the Dwight bullshit, the Bynum part of it, where he still was so young. And if you're Philly, you're like, this is how the fuck did we end up with this? And all, and that Iguodala bounces immediately. Bynum, that's an awesome trivia question because I'd heard it again. I was like, that's right. He never actually played for them. Signs with Cleveland in the offseason. He's a disaster there. They they trade him to Chicago halfway through the next season because Chicago's trying to cut costs. And that was it. He was out of the league. It was a, this isn't even close how much Orlando cleaned up on this. And in the moment, they were a complete afterthought on what they were bringing in. And kind of shit on for what they got. It would seem like a four quarters for a dollar trade in a lot of ways. Like that's like Dwight had made a, a first team on NBA, I think. Five straight years at that point at the center position. Um, the 2011-12 season was a little rockier for him than the other ones, but he was still considered to be the best center in the league, and he was going to be a free agent in a year. So they get those picks. This is where it gets – this is where I love sober trade history. you got to get a sponsor for sober trade history. Maybe, maybe, maybe a soft drink. Maybe we don't call it sober trade history then. We call it something else. Just, we'll just keep right. it vague, yeah, because we don't want to rule out anybody as a potential sponsor. All right, trade history presented by X. Um, in 2000, that's aggressive. 2014, Orlando gets the 12th pick from Denver as part of this trade. They trade that pick 
and the Philly 2017 first that they got in this trade to move up two spots to Philly so they could take Alfred Payton. So two of the three picks get turned into Alfred Payton, who becomes a bust for the Magic. Philly gets their 2017 first back, which is great. And then that that ends up, there's another Sacramento trade down the road where they took a bunch of Stauskas and Carl Landry and Jason Thompson, and they get some pick swaps of Sacramento that never get borne out because they have a better record with Sacramento. So anyway, two of the three picks of this trade get lit, lit on fire. And then the third pick was this conditional 2017 first that was protected that got flipped into two second rounders. Um, it didn't meet the protection. So it was number 33, Wesley Uwundu. And 2018, number 40, we're doing um, So that none of the picks pan out. Aflalo, who I think people thought was in the running for like really above average two guard, kind of has a couple good years for the match. That's about it. He was good for, for them. The, he was, no, yeah. he was good for them. Like when you thought about it after, like, hey, you know who's been kind of nice is Aflalo. A couple so, good years. Right. I don't remember Al Harrington on that team. Harkless was okay. But Vucevic was the big prize. And they get seven eight, nine years out of Vucevic and then flip him for Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, top four protected first and 21 and 23 from Chicago, the first one which became Franz Wagner. So this trade is still paying off for Orlando. This turns out to be one of the great trades for they get the Vucevic jacket then they flip it again and this is like this amazing trade and it sucked for everybody else. Sucked for everybody else. Sucked. Although I guess Denver was pretty good in 2013. That was the 55-win Denver team. Ty Lawson, Iguodala. Yeah. So they got like one kind of fun year. Then there's another variable at this trade. So Iguodala signs with Golden State in 2013 as a free agent. But to open the cap space, Golden State has to trade B. Adrians and Jefferson plus 2014 and 2016 first to Utah for the cap space. And those picks turned out to be Rodney Hood and Josh Hart. So that was the other variable. So there you go. Trade history. Well, this is a good full circle moment, moment here, though, because the Iguodala deal, like he plays in, what was it, 80 games for Denver? Yeah. That year. Um, Golden State had that slot. Like they, they knew, depending on how they were building out that team, because I remember what was happening, it was like, oh, wait, they're going to end up with Iguodala. And it was like this multifaceted, like, remember Iguodala had like a really weird start to his career too, because it was yeah. like, hey, the two AIs, and is he a point guard? And it was he like, a 25 no. point a game guy, what is he? Yeah, he's just kind of a basketball player. And we didn't appreciate it enough because you get taken at a certain point. It's like everybody wants you to check all these different boxes. It was like, no, he's a little bit of a different evaluation, but he's still really fucking good. And everybody would really want this guy on his team. And in Denver, he has this really good run, but you figuring with the asset part of it, like Golden State's able to sweep in because they make those other moves. And it was like this targeted thing. And then he becomes kind of like, you want to talk about how dumb timelines are? Like Iguodal was just somebody they thought fit. And then they had all these younger dudes. Like Iguodal was the, the older statesman of this younger Golden State crew at the very beginning of this and he thing starting to old. take off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they made two great moves. They did that. The Golden State, like going all in on Iguodala, knowing how important of a glue guy he was going to be, and better than that. But I mean, an overqualified glue guy. And then the other one was resisting the, uh, what was it, Clay Thompson and David Lee for Kevin Love, which was on the board for them for that whole 2014 season, basically. And a lot of meetings. I think it was split in the organization whether they want to do that or not. But then a Cleveland, Clay Thompson, 
David Lee basically turns into Draymond, and then um, and then they have Iguodala, and there we go, and then we have a little mini dynasty. So that's it. Drunk, drunk trade history, sober trade history. I don't know. We need a need a good thing, but for all the people in that trade, it's crazy that Orlando won it going away. Like they're like Secretariat <laughs> end up winning that, and then for the Lakers, like it really did seem like the axis of the league had shifted when they got Dwight Howard. It was like, oh my God, Dwight Howard. Then they end up getting Nash. They trade some first for that. Well, number and, two, uh, Dwight wanted to go works. to the Nets. Dwight right. originally was like, I want to go to the Dan Nets. Dan Williams. Yeah. All right. That's it. Still need a sponsor for that one. Uh, Rosillo, when are you doing your podcast this week? Uh, we'll have the Utah show, the Salt Lake show with Larry Markkinen as our guest. We do an extended life advice. So, you know, there's a little open there. So I know live podcasts aren't exactly everybody's favorite. We try to do enough for everybody that they're going to come out on Monday. And then we have a tape one with Brian Curtis and I just talking about the media with another mm. life advice. So we'll do Monday, Wednesday, and then I'll be back. We're not going to do next Sunday and then I'm back. Yeah, you're Tuesday, off Thursday. next Sunday and then we're right. back for good after that. Right. Did you tell Lori Markkinen that my wife thinks he's super handsome? That was her big three-point contest takeaway. Who's that guy? He's handsome. I'll send uh, I'll send a pic of the two of us. Yeah, we had send, a real connection. I have a really good friend from Finland. His son's mm. name is Finn. And uh, big Finnish people. Great people. Salt of the earth people. So, uh, yeah, I got a picture for him. It's a good example. Every once in a while this happens, right? It happened with Isaiah Thomas, the other Isaiah Thomas that the Celtics had, where a guy's just kind of bouncing around and you know he's talented, but he can't find the right team. And then suddenly he finds the right team. But it, it makes you think like how many times this didn't happen or how many, how many guys were just floating around and just never found the right situation. He's an example. Like he could have just been three, four more years, just, oh, this guy's in front of me or I'm in the wrong offense. And then it finally comes together. Now he's discount Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. No, we talked about it a little bit. Um, but I mean, he was freaked out because he was like, man, when I went to Arizona, I thought I was going to be there for four years. And then by November, December, they're like, yeah, you have to be one and done. <laughs> You need to go. <laughs> like, I just got here from Finland. Are you serious? Uh, all right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Priscilla. Thanks to Isaiah Blakely for producing. Don't forget new rewatchables Monday. Whiplash going up Monday night. See you then. See you on this feed. Probably not until next Sunday unless something crazy happens. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. 
With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 